The topics and opinions expressed in the following show are solely those of the hosts and their guests and not those of W4CY Radio, its employees, or affiliates. We make no recommendations or endorsements for radio show programs, services, or products mentioned on air or on our web. No liability, explicit or implied, shall be extended to W4CY Radio or its employees or affiliates. Any questions or comments should be directed to those show hosts. Thank you for choosing W4CY Radio. Welcome back, everyone, to the Geeks, Geezers, and Googleization Show, the home of Googleization Nation, where we talk with HR and business thought leaders about the crazy shift going on in the world of business, technology, and HR. Here's your host, Ira Wolf, and co-host, Keith Campagna. Hey, welcome back, Googleization Nation. Excited to have you join us again. Uh, we know you got a lot of choices, a lot of things to do in your busy schedule, so we really appreciate you taking the time to listen to Geek Skeezers and Googleization. Today, uh, we're going to be talking about my favorite subject, uh, candidate experience. Uh, it's something, um, I well, I knew about it uh, a few years ago, then wrote the book, and uh, it's just opened a whole new world. Uh, we've got a lot, a lot of work to do, and uh, we're going to talk be talking uh, with um, two of the people, hopefully two of the people. One of them uh, is feeling a little under the weather. Um, but we're going to be talking very shortly uh, about the state of the candidates' experience with Kevin Grossman uh, from the Talent Board and hopefully uh, Jerry Crispin from Cross uh, Career Crossroads uh, will be able to join us. Uh, but again, he was feeling a little under the weather, so not sure if he, he will be able to make it. Uh, we're certainly going to be talking a lot about the 2019 Talent Board Candidate Experience Benchmark Report. came out just about two months ago. Um, I keep going back to it, and every time I go back to it, I find some new nuggets. So just, uh, just a ton of information, from which is what you'd expect from uh, 100 and, uh, I believe, 170 companies and almost 200,000 uh, respondents uh, to the survey. So this isn't uh, some, you know, some lightweight survey, some superficial study uh, with only a, a handful of people, um, you know, in, in the survey with a lot, a lot of data. Uh, and as I said, it was re- released just about two months ago, and uh, there's just a lot in there. Uh, but one of the takeaways I had, and, and again, prep- prepping for the show, um, I found a quote, and I wanted to share it with you because I, I think it's just a simple but a real, really good goal for every candidate. And this was from one of the, the case studies one of, from, from one of the companies who participated. And they said that the goal for every candidate that they have is to walk away feeling good, like they still want to do business with us, whether they were offered a position or not. Uh, So we're going to be talking about the business impact, substantial business impact of what happens when candidates don't get hired. Um, Huge dollar amounts associated with that. And uh, I would say Based on some of the response I saw, uh, again, uh, the more I dig in, the, the more horrifying it gets. But I use that word. Some of the results are just horrifying uh, of how bad it really is. Um, we don't have just disappointed candidates for not getting hired, but they're disgruntled. And uh, as the report yeah. says, they're resentful uh, for yeah. that. So, yeah. So, Kate. It's crazy. It's crazy, Ira. <laughs> You know, you, you, and, and you wonder why, but it doesn't take too, too long to get to a certain place where you, you start to get, and, and here I'll bring up empathy again, you start to get empathy towards people that are trying to make a move. Um, they realize, they hear about how there are uh, opportunities abound, the gig economy, um, that there's a shortage of talent, 
And the truth of the matter is, is that most HR um, departments, specifically recruitment, are behind the times so far, they can't keep up with it. And I, you know, I, recruiters have a very special place in my heart and I give them all the credit in the world because they're doing all they can to find people. But, you know, it's organizations like the, the talent board that help expose the value in using technology and using it wisely because the game has changed. We talk about it all the time. And if it takes longer for somebody to get a job, they're going to be more disgruntled. They're going to be more critical. And if they don't get that return phone call or that email or anything, you know, it just makes them that much more, for lack of better terms, uh, wanting to have a positive experience. So this is going to be another great conversation. Yeah. And, and, yeah and I just want to I want to sh- throw out just a, a couple stats. Um, uh, Jerry had uh, had had uh, provided these. I knew about them. But again, there's just so much in there. Um, he, he was writing a, a paper, so you'll probably see this, or not a paper, but an article. You, you'll probably see this in the, in the future. But um, two-thirds of all the candidates who got rejected did, got the equivalent of an anonymous email. That's their notification. Nothing personal, just an anonymous email. Uh, and many times it took him more than two months to get that. And it was almost half of the candidates, I believe it was 47 or 48 percent of the candidates were still waiting to hear after they applied um, for it was two months later and they still haven't heard anything. I mean, why this is still going on, I have no clue, but we're going to we're going to be able to get some of that from from Kev, uh, from Keith. Um, or Kevin, again, I'm going to mess this up all day long. Uh, so one of the things that I do want to uh, ask you about real quick, um, Keith, um, we only have like a minute or two, and then I want to get, uh, maybe if we have some time, we can get uh, Kevin's um, quote on it as well. Um, we've had a couple big acquisitions over the last week. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you're, you know, you're living in that world. I mean, you're talking everybody what's the any word on the street i mean you know chronos got acquired and uh yeah. you know just uh monday uh cornerstone um ta- you know yeah. just uh announced the saba i was on that analyst call so a- any what's the word on the street what's a- anything well, exciting with that well right now it's just look out let's see what happens right uh it's it's it shows a few things and i'm going to go super high level it shows that people are looking ahead and they're seeing the economy in some way, shape, or form, and they're realizing that there might be strength in numbers. And now's the time where you're seeing people pull the trigger. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't be so shocked if we see a couple more of these this oh, year. Oh yeah, yeah, oh, um, for sure, yeah. And then, and then the other side to it is, you know, it, it, it's kind of like what we've been talking about, right? Like, okay, and I experienced this while at Jobvite. Okay, now we've got these companies together. It is a remarkable process to to be a part of where you see not only do you have to get the co-branding, not only do you have to get the new company culture, not only do you have to figure out where the overlaps is, you know, you, you, the overlaps are, uh, you wonder you, how does it impact turnover or layoffs? Like those things all play a role. And it seems like because these, now these companies are within the HR industry. So you almost, I'm curious to see if they could pull it off well. Or are they just yeah. like, you know, I, <laughs> earlier this morning I was with Dave Bookbinder and uh, he, I was on his show and 
you know, he had brought up that what somewhere around 70 to 80 percent of private equity uh, deals do not meet their oh, desired yeah. outcome. And so, you know, everyone's going to want to see how they do. And I think you, when you're inside the HCM world or the, the HR tech, at least, you've got a lot of people wondering, like, if you can do it right. Yeah, well, ba- ba- based on candidate experience, um, <laughs> obviously, there's, I'll expect a few hiccups in, in some right. of these uh, right. culture mergers. Culture. I mean, the, the financials may work, but the cultural uh, integrations are going to be a challenge. So, uh, hey, when are we able to get to uh, uh, to Kevin uh, real shortly here? But I want a little housekeeping. We are live today. If you got some questions, uh, you can call in uh, to five six one. 923-9429. That's 561-923-9429. You can also submit a chat uh, on the uh, w4cy.com website. And I'd uh, love to hear what some of your questions are. Um, you can catch the replay of our episodes, as always, on your favorite podcast platform or go to geekskeezersgoogleization.com. Uh, we got the archive of all the past ones up there. And uh, finally, um, still offering my new book for free, Recruiting in the Age of Googleization, Edition 2.0. Uh, you can go to join.googleizationnation.com. That's join.googleizationnation.com. And uh, you'll get immediately, you'll get a download of the digital copy. And uh, within uh, about a week or so, you'll get a free uh, paperback copy. Um, or you can go up to Amazon and pay $19.95. Can't talk. $19.95. Big number. Uh, but again, uh, GoogleizationNation.com and get it for free. So let's get to our guest. Um, yeah. Doesn't, I'm not sure that uh, Jerry was able to make it, but uh, Kevin Grossman, um, thank you for uh, joining us again. You were here last year about this time, and uh, we did a live stream maybe two months ago or a couple weeks ago. Uh, but welcome back. We did. We did. Gentlemen, thank you very much for having me on. Nope. How are we doing today? Great. We're, we're doing well. Busy. Busy. Um, so... Kevin, uh, why don't you uh, just tell us a little bit about giving a little background on the talent board? Um, you can do a better job at introing it than me. Um, it's been around for a couple years, I believe. What was your first year for the talent board? Before I do that, if it's okay, I just was wanted to comment really quick on, I mean, on oh, yeah, the, the whole consolidate the, the consolidation stuff that's been going on. If that's okay, it, it's just, oh for sure. It is fast. It is fascinating. I mean, I've been in the HR recruiting tech space for over twenty years now. And Hello. Think, you know, hey, there Jerry. Welcome, welcome, Jerry. So we we just thank uh, you. My apologies. And we're, no we're just starting the All intro, right. so thanks. So cool. So Kevin. But anyway, I just there's no. Just a quick comment. There's only so many ways to grow, right? So you're either going, you know organic upstream, you go downstream, you go wide, you acquire to, with growth through growth and customer acquisition, private equi- equity growth. I mean, but it is, I mean, there's a lot of, I think, investment that's been in the space for a few years now that's, that's looking for a return. <laughs> and I think that's, we're going to continue to see this kind of consolidation and masters of the universe scenarios, um, that are going to continue to happen. But you're right, Ira, the, the mergers and acquisitions can cause, definitely cause havoc, not only with candidate experience, but employee experience as well, because there's a lot, there's a lot of things that 
a lot of fallout, a lot of shakeout. Folks are going to be lost in the process, and um, it's it's confusing uh, for you know in an indeterminate amount of time. So anyway, just a quick comment that I wanted to throw yeah, out there. No, I appreciate that. I wanted to get your take on it. Um, so while we've got you, um, give a little background just on the talent board, and then we'll introduce Jerry as well. Sure, no, no worries. So the, the talent board, we've been doing this benchmark research for over nine years now, going into our 10th year. And it was founded, Jerry was one of the co-founders, and he can touch on that in a minute. I was involved early on uh, in this or, as a volunteer, and then about almost five years ago, was come, came on board to help run, run it and grow it over time. And so every year we work with hundreds of employers around the world and have them participate in our research. They self-assess what they're doing in recruitment and candidate experience first, and then they target a population of their own candidates, hourly professional management candidates, and ask them about their experience. The majority of those individuals are those who don't get hired at the end of the day, although there is some hired information that we do capture too. And then we release that information to into the wild globally every year. So that's what we do. And, and and it's again it's it's every year I get uh, I I find out more and more and uh, you know, I I wrote this down the other day um, when when somebody asked me is how would I sum it up and 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 my statement was there seems to be a huge disconnect between how job seekers apply and how companies recruit and it's like two two ships passing in the night. Because that's what I talk about every, I mean, you know, almost every platform that I get, almost every conference or meeting uh, that I attend, I mean, that's what I'm talking about. And I'm presenting one approach and people are telling me, but this is the way we do it. Um, and, you know, obviously there's a, a huge gap in there and, and you're studying that gap. Uh, before we get too deep into this, Jerry, uh, Jerry Crispin. Uh, joined us. You bet. Uh, tell us, uh, you've got, you had, your company is Career Crossroads, but you've been involved with the talent board from its inception as well. So um, welcome to the show to introduce uh, Career Crossroads and uh, your involvement. Sure. Um, thank you. Thank you for having us. Um, yeah, obviously I'm, a, I'm passionate about this particular subject and have been for a long, long time. I do think it's not so much what they do, as you pointed out before, I think it's what they need. And the, the needs are different from the employer and the candidate. And, and the world has changed sufficiently that employers increasingly have to take into account more of the needs of all the stakeholders, not just their business partners. And so that's really the, the shift that, that we see happening and coming. But Career Crossroads um, started about 25 years ago now and um, originally was um, a set of uh, predictions, if you will, and data around how um, uh, the digital world was going to change recruiting primarily. Um, and it shifted uh, in the early 2000s to develop really a community of talent acquisition leaders uh, who kind of get it and are committed to taking more risks, stepping up a bit more, uh, as well as helping each other. So it's really, Career Crossroads is really a peer platform where talent acquisition leaders and their teams uh, help each other, uh, commit to each other's success in many ways, and share unconditionally. And uh, I've been, I, you know, I've been in the space, I, I started, I entered the space 25 years ago. 
Um, so very similar time that you were starting. And uh, I, I remember, you know, it's before downloads. I, I don't know how we got them. Maybe it was through email or a newsletter. Um, but I, I've been following you for, for that long and uh, just in, incredible work. So appreciate both of you very, very much. So I've got a couple things. Um, just for just for a reference, and, and I think this is a powerful statement uh, because we're going to certainly be focusing on this. Um, want to talk about uh, as I, I mentioned earlier, and, and both of uh, you, you, the three of us had talked about this uh, a few weeks ago about the business impact of candidate experience and what candidate resentment makes. But just to, when, when I was looking through the report again and prep for the show, um, there were a couple graphs that just stood out. And you use the net promoter scores. And, and I don't know if everybody's familiar with that, but, you know, essentially, uh, if you score everything from 100 to minus 100, uh, zero just being neutral, uh, people pretty much just go about they, they don't talk good about you. They don't talk bad about you. The goal is to certainly be on the positive side, not on the negative. What I found remarkable was that when I look at some of these some of these referral, what you call the referral ratings and the net promoter scores for people who don't participate in the candy awards or who don't, who aren't the winners in the candy, some of their scores are negative, which isn't, I mean, that's hard. I used this word earlier. It's horrifying that. Yes. That people are actually, I mean, not only are are like no companies, even the winners in the amazing category, which is is a 50. I mean, that's that's halfway to, to, to where you need to be. Most of them are in the OK category. But there's I, I mean, across industries, across almost every size company, it's they're almost they're either close to zero or negative. Yes. So. There's, there's some controversy over the use of that particular approach, but, but uh, for those people who study a little bit more about you know, NPS, that promoter score, and, and variations on that theme, it kind of emphasizes the attitude of the customer or the candidate or the employee um, about the experience that they had, about the journey that they're on. And, um, and you're absolutely right, though, when you start looking at numbers that are negative. For, for it to be truly negative, uh, especially the way we do it with anchoring the, um, <laughs> the ends of that scale with a phrase that's, that, that kind of strengthens, you've got to be really angry at, to, to, to give it a one, if you will. Um, because it says I would go out of my way. So you have an intention to go out of your way to dissuade others from applying to that company based on your experience applying to that company. And so for negative numbers, it basically means um, generally that there are more people who, who said that than said I would go out of my way to encourage others. And, and so that tells you that you, from a, um, and I'll use the term friction in terms of recruiting, the difficulty in recruiting obviously is gaining new uh, interest, getting people to engage you. And, and clearly, if, if the people that you have engaged 
turn on you <laughs> to that level, you're going to have more and more difficulty getting new candidates and new prospects. And that's going to cost you. It's going to cost you in terms of your ability to perform as a company. Uh, it may be uh, directly impacting your ability to, uh, to sell products or service. And uh, as uh, Kevin can talk to, um, you know, we're collecting data uh, through Talent Board on all of these issues, and the, uh, the evidence is in. I mean, it's just <laughs> the reality is if you don't take into account how you reject employees, you are increasingly put, putting your company at risk. So, exactly. Kevin, so, yeah, Kevin, if you can comment, you know, on that and, and expand that on, I know when we talked uh, a few weeks ago, you, you had some, um, you know, pretty amazing numbers that, uh, that uh, you know, help support what you're doing. Well, there's, so here's the thing, when we're, there's a lot of, we're looking at that, like, definitive, absolute yeses and nos and the responses, right? We want, when we're doing our analysis, our competitive analysis in particular, and the, the good news, and there is good news, so it's not all abysmal, um, uh, even though that's on the rise, which we'll talk about too. But the good news is that there, 25% of the candidates in North America last year said overall they had a great experience and they had a willingness to increase the relationship with that employer that they had applied to, whatever that means to them. And most of the time we're talking about job-related exchanges, brand advocacy to a certain degree, obviously maybe as a customer if it's a consumer-based organization. And but for candy winners, those companies who have the highest positive ratings in our research, it increases another 25%. So th there's, there is, there's good news, there's stuff that is happening, but what we're also seeing, unfortunately, is that the, what we call the resentment rate, those individuals that, like Jerry was saying, will go out of their way to dissuade others um, not to participate in any brand job purchasing activity whatsoever. And they themselves have said firmly through our data and our research, absolutely do I want nothing to do with this organization anymore, what we call the resentment rate. Since 2016, it's increased 40%, four zero, in just in North America, 25% in EMEA and 10% in APAC, which is obviously a lot lower, but still an increase overall. So there is a lot of, there's still a lot of disconnects. We're seeing a lot of good things that are happening. Jerry knows this. You guys, you know, in the report, yep. there are companies who can't do everything right all the time, but they are working hard to improve their recruiting processes and communication feedback loops and to try to bridge those, those perception gaps and those fairness gaps, but they, there's still some ones that are quite gaping now. Yes. I think so what we're, we're going to find is that there are, over time, and we've been do, at it, obviously at it for nine years, this is our 10th year anniversary, so I think it's kind of cool. We'll, have, we'll, we'll, we'll obviously have a decade of data that we can draw mm -hmm. on uh, after this year, and I think that's kind of cool. But increasingly, we're seeing independent groups um, independent of us, who are coming up with similar data, number one, um, and starting to make more connections to um, demonstrating that those companies that put the energy, the effort, put their money where their mouth is, <laughs> and create positive experiences, not only for the candidates, but also for the employees, are now demonstrating that they are leading their industry, increasing their performance capability as a company, 
uh, and and both in terms of efficiencies and productivity. And I think we're going to be able to prove more and more that they are linked to what are the best companies uh, for com- for employees to want to work for. And, and I thought, I mean, this is important to bring out. Um, I mean, you there's 170 companies that participated, correct? In, in your survey um, last year, North, something, something like and, that. And just over, North, just over that, in North America, just over yeah, that. Yeah, just in North America. So, you know, out yeah. of that, you had, I, I don't, I didn't count up the number of people who, who actually won the award or, or met that. Um, but it was, a, you know, it was a small percentage. Some people, it looked like, dropped out during the process for one reason or another. Um, but that's a small number. I mean, 170 companies um, that that took the time to participate in this. And then you have all these other ones that are out there that when you talk about candidate experience, uh, that, that's sort of a new term. I mean, these are people that are that are intently interested, are consciously making an effort to improve. So, uh, you know, it, 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 it but just that number growing. really is growing, whether they whether they participate in our, our um, effort or not. There is a significant increase when you start looking mm-hmm. or Googling, for example, uh, people with the title of candidate experience in a company. You're starting to see the shifts. So I, I take our effort as leading, um, <laughs> leading the way, but the reality is we still have um, a work to do to get, let's say, a thousand companies in that might be, from my perspective, a critical mass that makes us visible, more visible, to the world, if you will, so that when our data gets out there, there's more people who not only pour over it, but buy into it, and it begins to influence uh, in a broader way. I think that we've, we've done what we can do over the last nine years, and I think we're on the cusp of breaking through mm-hmm. as well because yeah. of the quality of the data and the kinds of questions that we can now answer when we ask that data and share information broadly. Yeah, and and ninety five percent of of the conversations that I have out there are related to this. I mean, you know, at conferences, and I can tell you, every every time, uh, every room uh, that I have is packed. Um, and the same for other speakers. Uh, so I agree with you. Uh, we're going to take a short break here, though, and uh, we're just scratching the surface. When we come back, uh, one of the questions that came up from one of our listeners was, what can be done to bridge those gaps? And we're definitely going to be talking about that. So uh, we are you are listening to the Geek Skeezers and Googleization Show. We're with our guests, Kevin Grossman and Jerry Crispin. Uh, we are talking about the 2019 Talent Board Candidate Experience Research Report. Tons of great data. When we come back, we'll talk a little bit about the business impact. Um, We'll continue the conversation about candidate resentment. But most of all, we're going to talk about what are some of the things that the companies are doing to close that gap. Um, We will hear from our sponsors, Zor.ai and Success Performance Solutions. So stay right where you are. We'll be back in less than two minutes. Imagine how your company would grow if your candidate experience earned a 99% approval rating. Well, to get to 99%, you need the three best letters in recruitment technology, XOR. Zor's text bots, chat bots, and audio bots increased IKEA's candidate conversion rate 455%. Zor decreases candidate drop-off rates, improves your candidate experience, and collects analytics for future strategies. To learn more, 
Check out Zor.ai. That's XOR.ai. Hi, everyone. This is Ira Wolf, author of Recruiting in the Age of Googleization. I'm excited to announce that my online course, Recruitment Marketing for the Accidental Recruiter, is open for business. This course is the culmination of a two-year-long project and releases recruiting tips I've learned after hundreds of hours of research, speaking with thousands of conference attendees, and interviews with dozens of experts. It's all available to you in Recruitment Marketing for the Accidental Recruiter. To receive more information or get started, visit our website at www.successperformancesolutions.com and click on the tab, Recruitment Marketing for the Accidental Recruiter. Hey, welcome back to the Geek Skeezers and Googleization Show. I'm your host, Ira Wolf, here with Keith Compagna, my co-host, and with Kevin Grossman and Jerry Christman from uh, Career Crossroads and the Talent Board. Um, hey, when we left off, we were uh, we spent the first part of our uh, kind of the show talking about the candidate experience, uh, what companies are doing, kind of the trends. Um, one of the things that uh, you know has come up there's there's certainly some differences um, uh, between you know looking to, to get your comments on the difference between genders, male and female, um, if there's a difference in candidate experience in staff and salaried at the executive level or the hourly level. So I'll throw this out to either one of you. And um, please, uh, kind of, what, are you, what, what are you seeing buried in, in all this data? Kevin. Well, let me, yeah, no, I'll just talk. You can speak to the salary thing in a minute, Jerry, too. I think that's really important. I, what's interesting is that there, while there is some variance, it, there's there's not a lot of extreme variance um, across generation. I think that one of the things that we've tried to dig for through our data and we continue to analyze that it relates more to expectation setting for each of these different groups and what kinds of exposition, especially for the position type. So we do know the, the biggest difference we do see is more by job type. So entry level positions, um, positions that don't have a lot of initial experience versus professional hourly versus professional versus senior management. The, the expectations um, are different for each of those groups, right? So we see that there, there is a deterioration of candidate experience as the levels go more senior. And we do see that again, a little bit as well as we get through, as we go to boomers versus millennials and Gen Z so there are some of those differences, not a lot of difference really though with males and females as it relates to um, their overall great experience versus their, their resentment rate. They're very close um, when we look at those and we don't do a lot of, uh, we, in our research, is the, that's really as much as we go. We don't focus on ethnicity um, for, and, and other kind of categorical um, demographic items just per the way that we set up the research going directly with employers. They were never that comfortable about that, but we do talk about gender and generation and, and job type. So the, so there are some differences, but it's amazing how universal, even with some of those variances that it is not only just in North America, but in EMEA and APAC, um, how at every year, the population of employers is is similar with net new employers, but the population of candidates is even dramatically different. And so just to give you one quick example, and then Jerry can jump in. When we asked the candidates globally, not just North America, about 
their willingness to share positive and negative experiences with their inner circle, for example, or even publicly online. The continuity of the response is really kind of uncanny year after year and, and with a different population of candidates. So those who are willing to share their positive experiences with their inner circle, people they trust, we talk to every day, et cetera, that's 80-ish percent year after year are sharing their positive experiences since, since the beginning of this, almost the beginning of this program. And those who are willing to share the negative experiences, about two thirds. And, but it's, it's, it's fascinating and how close <laughs> that is almost every single year. So again, not a lot of difference in um, with the exception of, and it's, I think it's related more to expectation setting with those different groups and, and populations. Anyway, Jerry, you want to comment on that? Well, yeah, a couple things. One, in the very early years, it was lower, it grew, and now is stabled out at that two-thirds, for example, are willing to share negative experiences with their, their inner circle of four, five, whatever, and a third are willing to share publicly. And what right. that implies is the power of collectively of candidates in terms of a, a social world where the world hears what, what's going on with you. And that's really where the power is coming from and its ability to impact um, what employers are thinking about in terms of things that they need to, to address. So there's, there's that issue. The other issue to me is when you start looking at practices, not demographics, but practices. So, so I think last time we talked about, for example, the practice of how do we handle um, explaining uh, compensation for this job and when do we introduce compensation for this job do you do it in the in the uh, you know the the job description do you do it in the screen do you do it when they come in for interviews or do you do it when you finally make them an offer and and the reality is we're learning more and more that the way in which you do that impacts the perception of the candidate in terms of whether they're being um, <laughs> fairly treated and that has a lot to do with how they believe, how they rate their experience. And so this, this, this sense of fairness, for example, when you delay um, uh, sharing information is, is increasingly a problem. So that's, that's one thing. The other um, is, is a question that impacted the senior, bish, senior uh, thing. I, I was really moved about a month ago by a, a post from a C-level talent acquisition leader who shared the way in which she was being ghosted by um, companies. She was getting lots of um, interest in her background in looking for a job as a global VP of TA and, and in some cases was even being told that she would be made an offer shortly and then no longer is she able to connect to them you know, that kind of thing. And, and it was, uh, you know, it, 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 she shared her pain. She shared what was going on. And obviously the irony is, is we're talking about the highest level of person responsible for all the recruiting. Um, so there's a certain irony in all of that. So that caused me to talk to uh, Kevin and Ron and, and say, can, can we, can we filter into some of our data and look at just those, those individuals who looked for 
jobs at very high levels. And we can't. We could filter out something like 3,000 candidates who applied to senior level positions in their corporation and completed a full um, survey. And of those, about 900, something in that order, um, knew that they were uh, rejected at the time they took the at the time they took the survey, and we further had asked a question of them: How did they learn about that rejection? And there were several possible answers, and uh, one of them was, for example, I was provided a link to my status. Another was I received an email from uh, from an anonymous source in the company that basically said, uh, we're no longer going forward with you and do not reply to this email, essentially. Um, I received an email from a specific hiring manager, a specific recruiter, uh, indicating they were no longer being, you know, so they got, they got something a little more personalized. And, and they all, there was also a question, I received a phone call from the hiring manager recruiter, you know, again, those kinds of things. Now you could hyper, hyper, you know, from a hypothetical point of view, the more personalized you would believe, the better the overall result would be for the person who rejected. And we could show that data. We could show, for example, from a net promoter score, that senior managers who were called by, a, by the hiring manager and talked to had a, generally a positive overall reaction to their experience in terms of the rating, even though this probably wasn't the causative piece, but probably was one of the many factors involved. And, and the NPS score, by the way, was 13. So not huge. It was just that. And that's, that's not bad for someone who's just been rejected. However, however, when you looked at the fact that 68% of the senior candidates said that the way they were rejected was that they received an unsigned email notifying me of my rejection that had no reply option. <laughs> That's kind of the standard that was out there. And this is for the companies competing with, for the candidate experience awards. And of those, the average, I mean the, uh, yeah, the average NPS score was minus 46 Whoa! <laughs> now that's that's a serious that's <laughs> angry person. That's, that's about tough. you know it's hard to get. I mean, minus one hundred is a theoretical concept. It's like approaching zero. So so minus forty six is about as bad as it could possibly get in terms of a statement about my attitude and my intention. And when we looked at overall, all, you know, when we looked at the same thing, not for senior, but for all uh, professional, non-professional, et cetera, uh, it was also pretty bad for that. And it was also 68% were getting that kind of option. And, uh, and it was 20, minus 28, which is, which is bad enough. That, that probably is as bad as I'd seen before I saw the minus 46. Yeah, the, the minus what, what that 46 tells is... me... What that tells me, and then I'm just going to shut up, what that tells me is that the practice of most employers currently is a mistake in how they reject candidates and whether or not the candidate got beyond 
um, got beyond the application or not. It is wrong for for employers to continue with a practice that has such a negative response rate. We need to rethink that in the 21st century. And in my opinion, you need to be doing it now. Now, I will say that among the senior candidates who were rejected, they uh, twice as many as the as the um, as the total uh, were called. So almost 10 percent of the candidates who were rejected were rejected with a phone call. Um, now that may not be practical for the for the you know the vast majority of of a couple hundred thousand candidates as opposed to the 900 senior ones. But I got to tell you, um, we need to find new ways and maybe, you know, a chat bot that calls you and says, oh, I'm so sorry, we're not going to go forward with you. But if you really are uh, concerned about this, here's how to reach a human or something. I don't know. We need to experiment a little bit more. And, and Jerry, that was, that was where I was going with, you know, let's flip the coin here. And what are the what are you two seeing, or what does the data show that companies are doing that make like what's the next best thing that a company can be doing to turn the tide? And well, maybe more go personalized from- is is the way to go. I will tell you that in uh, in many years ago, uh, when I was studying uh, different aspects of this, I applied to the hundred best companies in America to work for every year. And and I can't I won't even bother to tell you how long it takes to apply to the hundred best companies in America to work for. <laughs> Eventually, I got volunteers and so on. But there were only two companies that responded in a positive way, and um, and one was Container Corp, and the other was uh, what's the name of the shoe company that uh, Amazon owns in Vegas? Zap. Zappos, yeah. Zappos. 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 right? Yeah. Which that and makes and the re- and the reason why is because they absolutely personalized their rejection. They they admitted that you know they they were sorry they didn't have a job that would fit me. <laughs> they they um they were they were sure of my e- eventual success. They encouraged me to become more, um, more knowledgeable, gain more experience, get more skill in the areas that they care about, and then to come back when I, when I thought I had that. They, uh, and so they went to great lengths uh, to call my name and, and to sign the damn uh, email uh, that I could, I could reply to. Right. Now, it, I might be replying to a fake name. I might be replying into a, you know, into a large <laughs> bucket that doesn't get seen. There's possibilities, but I doubt it. But I, I felt that somebody was uh, treating me with some degree of respect, that I had invested time in engaging this company and indicating and sharing my, my vulnerability and interest in, in wanting to work for them. And right. and they responded uh, it, it, in like way. So let and me get so this. I think that's the kind of thing that we're seeing in terms of shifts of practice of best 
best in practice is more personalization. Now you can, you can learn how to automate those kinds of things. It's greater sets of expectations and, uh, and Kevin has a number of key uh, workshops that he does to provide a lot of detail on these kinds of things, but it's holding yourself accountable um, and measuring uh, candidate experience and making that part of your performance, obviously, you, you know, you work at what you get, you get slapped at <laughs> or rewarded for. Um, and so those are the kinds of things that we need to be looking at and making shifts and changes in. Kevin, anything I got another add? example. Yeah. yeah, I've just got a, another, a couple of examples that just underscore that. I mean, every year, one of the backbone differentiators, competitive differentiators that we see in our research is consistent communication throughout the process from pre-application to onboarding candidates at the end of the day, unless they're in the HR recruiting technology space or applying for those jobs. They, we don't, as candidates, we don't care about the technology stack. What we care about is just the things that Jerry was outlining, being engaged, communicated with, definitive closure. We really long to talk to a human, but at the end of the day, if it's clear and throughout the process of what's going to happen next, and I know when you're also not going to pursue me any further, you're being definitive, that phone call is important, but most candidates, and it's an uphill battle for a lot of employers, right? Any, any volume on the applicant side, most candidates, they research, they apply, and that's as far as they get. So some of the work that we're doing with some deeper work that we're doing with some of the candy benchmark research companies, what we're finding as we dig deeper is even the, the difference between the, the, the type of message that you send out at the point of application disposition. A lot of that's going to be automated a lot, right? There's te- that's going to be templates that go out. But when you look at the difference in scores, NPS scores that we're finding between the message that says, thank you for your time. If you're qualified, we'll be in touch versus thank you for your time. We're not going to pursue you at this time, but please consider another job in the future or something that's more definitive. Like, listen, we're not going to follow up on you now, right? You're not qualified now. The, 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 the MPS scores actually skew more positive when there's at least that, that latter message in there versus the one where it just says, if you're qualified, we'll be in touch. That's almost as bad as not saying anything mm-hmm. at all, because most of the time they're, they're not following up with those individuals because they're not qualified, right? That's why they're being dispositioned at that point. So just just a little nuance in the message that's on the, that has to be automated with any level of volume we're seeing actually does make an impact on the overall scores. So that's a big deal. Good. Hey, hey gentlemen, we are, are, are really fast approaching getting out of time here and uh, we'll be cut off the air. So I want to give each of you an opportunity to uh, kind of ha- how can people get in contact with you? And, and uh, I'll, I'll tell everyone that they need to go and download from uh, talentboard.org uh, the uh, report. It's free. Uh, a couple different versions, executive version summaries and the full version. And yeah. a lot of the information is there, yeah. uh, especially on a lot of the we, – we didn't cover so much, but um, I, I'd encourage everybody there. So, uh, Kevin, I'll let, I'll let you go first. And then, uh, Jerry, just how can people get a hold of you? Sure. So you can find me on LinkedIn. Um, uh, open can, we'd be happy to connect with you. You can also go to the talentboard.org and to learn more about us and our organization. Um, our Candy Benchmark Research Program is open now for 2020. It's anonymous and confidential. 
for the employers as well as the candidates that, that you survey through our program to get that, some of that anonymous candid feedback about your recruiting process. And, and we go through strengths and weaknesses with you. And it's a really good, and you get compared to companies big and small across industries. And it's a really little, little investment for a pretty big return. And so highly recommend if you're leaning in in that direction, we have got to have a better understanding of the impact of recruiting on our candidate experience and on the business and the brand. And then you go to the talentboard.org. Jerry. Cool. Um, I'll emphasize what Kevin said in terms of the talentboard.org um, as the web address. And uh, Career Crossroads is spelled one word, career, the letter X, and the word roads, plural, uh, .com. And um, to find me, if you Google Jerry with a G, G-E-R-R-Y, Crispin, C-R-I-S-P-I-N, uh, you'll find more stuff to bore you. But yeah, I'm, I'm accessible uh, uh, and found uh, uh, in a lot of different places. <laughs> the, the, I, I, well, for some people, maybe, but for anybody interested in this subject, I can tell you your site's definitely not boring. So, hey, I, I thank you both. Uh, it's it's always fun and great to talk to you. I, th I know you got busy schedules, so I appreciate you, you carving out the, the opportunity. Uh, but thanks for all you do. Um, you do a tremendous amount. And uh, thank you for providing me tons of data. <laughs> so, uh, and I you got it. Get out there. So. I want to throw something out there, too. For those listening, I absolutely encourage you to find Kevin on his tour when he does the local workshops. Uh, back when I was a job vite, I got to sit in on a couple of these, and this is where the rubber meets the road. We're not talking about like a lazy way of going about business. This is how you get results. So find him on the Talent Board website, and you'll learn a lot. Absolutely. And Hey, appreciate it again, Thanks. guys. Hey, and to Thanks, Benny and, and, and to Benny and Todd who submitted questions. Uh, if you didn't get your answers, and I know we didn't specifically answer your question, Todd, um, contact uh, any one of us on uh, LinkedIn or Twitter or or go to our websites, and uh, we'd be happy to answer that. So I uh, really appreciate the participation today. Um, this is Keith uh, Compagna and myself, Ira Wolf. Uh, we're always interested in hearing what's on your mind. Uh, we're here every week, Geek Skeezers and Googleization, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on W4CY.com. And you can also check out all our archives and the replay of this episode on Geek Skeezers Googleization or Spotify, Apple, Google Play, iHeart, uh, wherever you get your favorite podcasts. So until the next episode of Geek Skeezers and Googleization, don't let the shift hit your plans. 